Hi everybody, I'm Peter Travers. Welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called The Secret Life of Pets 2. And my guest today, Patton Oswalt, I would like to say he plays all the voices of all the pets, but he doesn't. He sticks oh, Lord, to no. just one. I just do Max. the one voice this time. Max, uh, Max the little dog that is going to... Uh, he and his uh, friend... Um, played by Eric Stone Street, uh, are they take a trip to a farm over the summer? So he's already a nervous city dog who is now out at a farm. Uh, meets another dog named Rooster, played by Harrison Ford. See, that's perfect cast. Yes, it's so yeah. His Harrison voice is so Ford perfect. is horning in on everybody that does voice work now. He this is his first ever voiceover that's it, job, I mean. which shocked me because he's got one of those great voices. Why hasn't someone, you know? You know, grabbed him for a film at this point, but he's he's terrific in this. Do you ever ever get to work with these people that you're doing? No, I no. I was never in a room with any of them. I didn't get to do anything with Jenny Slade or Kevin Hart or all these people that I like. But um, you know, they would play me some of their. Especially, I have a lot of scenes with Harrison Ford, so they would play me some of his uh, you know, dialogue, and then I could react to it, which was which was interesting. Patton, are you an animal lover, or is this... Uh... I have a cat. I have a cat. I, I was never a cat person, and my wife was like, if we're getting a pet, we're getting a cat, because you're always working. If we get a dog, I'll have to take care of it. I can't do that. So we got this really sweet uh, cat, a rescue, uh, named Addison, and we love her. Addison? Yeah, is that but... Addison DeWitt? <coughs> no, no, it wasn't Addison DeWitt, Witt. for God's sake. Say... No. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but up, all up, about up until... Addison was my first cat, up until... Addison, it was all dogs. I had a French bulldog named Grumpus before him. I had Cocker Spaniels. So, like, you know, I was always a dog guy. But until I'm, until I'm home more, I can't have a dog because it's unfair to, to Meredith because she's like, oh, I can't. I can't deal with this 6 a.m. and walk this thing so it doesn't poop all over the house. But that's what happens. That's exactly. part of the that's deal. The, and by the way, then our cat started peeing all over the house. So we had to, like, get carpets cleaned. And now, now she's okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, then it wouldn't be having a bad Exactly. Just There's got to be some kind of damage that, well, that your furniture takes. What about in terms of you doing this sequel? You're doing the voice that Louis C.K. did mm -hmm. originally. Yeah. Was that, did you have mixed feelings about coming in? Yeah, I that? did. I, I remember I talked to my manager about that for a while, and I talked to some friends, and they were like, well, I mean, it's still, it's a job. It wasn't like it was a, you know, a specific thing that was, this is, uh, this is a, more of a the movie's about the characters, not the stars in it. So mm -hmm. that's how I kind of maybe I rationalized it that <laughs> way. But good. that's how I did. You yeah. call him and say, "Look, you know." I'm I gonna... sent him some emails, but he did not. I, I, he's not really answering anybody's emails right now, at least not mine. So, well, now you had to do it. It's like Hamlet, you know. <laughs> you didn't Max give me an answer, so, so yeah, it's like Hamlet. Yeah, everybody has to have their Max own interpretation like of well, you, what you it know is. What? I'll think about it that way. You know what? This is like a. Uh, he was he was Connery and I'm Roger Moore. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> Couldn't you be Daniel Craig? Oh, I wish. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm more of a George Lazenby if we're going to be really honest. You know, so know, yeah. I'm trying to think. The first time that I saw you do anything, except when you used to write to me at Rolling Stone under the name Neil Cumston. Yeah, was. yeah. He wrote. The most kind of explicit movie reviews I had ever uh, encountered. All id. Just absolute It just id. came out. Can't even, like, you don't even feel like he was reacting to the plot. It, it, like, to him, and I've seen a lot of people like this, where it was just a collection of 
images and sensations that he had experienced, and that was try, like trying to do a brain dump to relate them to you in the most inarticulate way possible. But it, it was visceral, which yeah. was what he... If I'm calling Neil a character, right. basically that is what I love in movie fans. Well, and also... They love that I think so much that they just... They don't think about it so much as just let it fly. Well, that's how all the best movies... I think all the best art affects you. And I don't know if you um, remember in, in Ratatouille, but there's a scene I... where the critic um, at the end comes to review the, and he takes a bite, and it's so good that he drops his pen on the floor. And we did a screening in Austin. A lot of the Ain't It Cool guys were a lot of... And that act of dropping your pen, like, I have nothing to say about this. It's, this is all sensational. They're like, I've... Because there must have... I mean, for you, how... You, you, when did you start reviewing movies? Like, when, when, when did you start? Like, oh, it's year? almost 28 years ago. Really? Mm -hmm. So, like, so like late 70s, 80s? Oh, no, it's, it's, a, it's like the very late 80s. Late yeah, 80s. Most of the 90s. Okay, well, then there must have been those movies where it was such a... And it, it it gave you such a physical, a, a true thrill that you that that you were almost. And this is a positive view of the film. Like I don't know what to write about this right now. This was so well made. Mm -hmm. I'm so keyed up by this thing that I don't really know what I can add to it except to tell you just to go. It's amazing. Well, there's that, but there's today we live in that period of time. Maybe when I was I was watching. Scorsese's movies or Robert Altman's or whatever. Right. And now we're basically watching Marvel movies. And yes. that opinion that comes out, I think there's a value in it because it's not me sitting there thinking about it for a couple of days. It's... What was, and people are paying for that sensation. So what your review has to say is, do they give you that sensation right. that you're looking for? <laughs> you're looking for those thrills. And also, it must have been, it must be a little surreal for you now because if you started in the late 80s, you were seeing the rise of people like Spike Lee and Soderbergh, and then you were seeing Scorsese's second win with especially Goodfellas, mm -hmm. and you're watching a lot of movies now that are massive blockbusters that are just referencing those films, that a lot of the filmmakers now grew up on those movies, on those filmmakers, and that's how they learn the language of film. So for you, you're like, well, I, you, you, there must be moments when you have to separate going, I understand why you think this is thrilling, and it should be. You should mm -hmm. enjoy this, but just know what came before and where they're getting these things that are thrilling you. But the last time I actually talked with you, we were in Sundance, and you had That's done right. Big Fan. Big Fan. Which was great. I'm, I'm saying this. I'm not blowing smoke. This guy is in so many things that you do, but you're a really good actor. And Thank Big you. Fan, where you're this obsessive New York Giants semi-crazy person yeah. with a heart. Yeah. You know, with a heart. And then when you did Young Adult for Jason Reitman and right, Charlie right. Stan, yeah. that was incredible work. Yeah, I really, um, that was that, uh, that was a nice little stretch of just amazing scripts falling into my lap and I, I try not to question why it happened. I'm just <laughs> very happy that it did. But yeah, I got to do some really, really amazing, I got to do the kind of work that was being done in the movies, the period of movies that I really love, which are the early 70s in mm -hmm. American cinema, the kind of, the five easy pieces, the mean streets, stuff like that, where you actually got to play characters and and dwell with them for a little bit. So that, to me, um, 
was a big deal to get to do these movies that were hearkening back to that, that time. Well, you have, I mean, what is it that started? The first time remembering seeing you, and because I love Seinfeld so much. Oh my God. Just that moment where you're in that episode where you're in the <laughs> yeah. video store. I just think now, does anyone know what a video store was? That's and, true. And oh my God, that's right. My first scene was in, I was working a job that kind of doesn't exist. That's right. It's, it's like this your, weird archaic that people only understand through like history books or the one, isn't there like one blockbuster store left open in like Portland yeah, or something? Yeah, there's one blockbuster yeah. store. But you're in there and George Costanza is wanting breakfast at Tiffany's. That's right. And you're saying something like, sorry, it's rented out. It's rented out. And yeah. he's, can't you call the person? Can't you see who rented it out? Let's yeah. call them. I'm like, no, it doesn't work that it's way. It's just another world that... That doesn't exist. <laughs> oh my God, my, my first scene may as well have been me sending a telegraph. What is he doing? And it's like, da 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 Oh my God, that's right. I, my first job was doing this thing that doesn't exist anymore. But what was that moment in your life? Because I've never talked to you about it. I knew one time about your name, Patton, being from General Patton. Right. That was it. <laughs> right. But I know nothing else. What were you? Were you were a military kid? I was, my dad was a Marine for 20 years. Uh, named me after General Patton. I don't know why. <laughs> and then he... Um, uh, yeah, we were, I mean, it was, it was, I was very fortunate because I was a military brat. We moved around when I was super, super young. But then when I entered first grade, my dad remembered when he was little and his dad would move him around constantly. And it was really rough to like go through change of high school every year. And he was like, I don't want my kids to have to go through that. Like he was of the school of things should be better for the next generation rather than there seems to be this rise of like, I suffered, so should they. Like these people that are going, let's let's uh, forgive all student loans. No, <laughs> I had to pay mine off. They got it. Like th there's this weird, I need to hear other people in pain <laughs> to justify my own. Which I like that that feels like a that feels like a like a late boomer thing to me because the the early boomers were all like, no, I want things to be better for people. I remember how things sucked. I don't want to pass that along. That's a nice way. Yeah. It's a good attitude to have yeah. towards it. But what? When was that moment, you being a military brat, that says, I'm going to be in this kind of business? Did you want to be funny? Did you want to act? I, I, just, I, I always liked, when I was growing up, I loved monster movies, make-believe, fantasy, all that kind of stuff. Just that kind of brightness, you know, the, the brightness in motion. I remember, you know, seeing movies when I was young, and even the black and white ones were just fat. Like, how are they doing that? So I was very much drawn to that world, and my... Parents, luckily, were about let your kids go where they're going to go. I mean, unless I'm running towards drugs and armed robbery, they're like, yeah, why not entertain people? <laughs> My dad was also, you know, he had been, he had three very bad years in Vietnam and was very much, I think, like like a, a true uh, warrior and veteran. He was like, I never want my kids to go to war. Why? What is wrong with doing stuff that's making people happy rather than, pointing a gun at them and killing them. So he was all about like, yeah, go be creative. Are you kidding? So, you know, I remember him saying, he goes, you will never, you and your brother will never go to war over my dead body. I will never let you experience what I experienced. So, wow, that is go such and, a different thing yeah. than you would think. Yeah. Well, yeah, because yeah. there's a lot of people. But again, weirdly enough, most of the people that are saying that kids should be in war are people that never experienced it. Most people that were have been in war and experienced it are like, uh, job one is to make sure no kids have to go to war. It could be 
you know, what he was dealing with was trauma, but you had that when you when your first wife died. That was yeah. a terrible, yeah. awful was, thing to happen, and you, I don't know how old your daughter was at the time. She was seven. Seven. Yeah. So suddenly you're going through that tragedy, and you're raising another human being. Yeah, that was really rough. That was... Uh, not a good time that that and, and there's a lot of details of it that I can't even and I've talked to other widowers were like yeah the first couple of months after a spouse dies you kind of don't remember a lot of it you because you're in order to function your body cannot dwell on the minute to minute of the grief and you switch into like I call it the functional gray where you just make your daughter breakfast take her to school I would I would park at the school and just sit there all day in the car just like waiting and then at three o'clock I'd pick her up and take her home like I didn't want to it, it was just there's just a lot of it that I don't really remember it was rough and then you know luckily I was able to um pull out of it you know with with the help of a lot of therapy a grief group and then this amazing woman that I met well see that that's I mean people might call that a happy ending mm -hmm. because it is it's nice that you can do that but when you have a daughter when you have this other being to take care of right that might be a part of the salvation of getting through that. Yeah, I mean, definitely having a daughter that I had to wake up for and take care of saved my life. And, you know, there's still going to always be the, I would give anything to not, for her not to ever have to experience that trauma. That being said, you know, you can't do, we don't have time travel, we don't have, you know, magic wands. But I have met this amazing woman who is an incredible mom to her and who, you know, she loves Alice, Alice loves her, and so it's the best of all possible worlds after this horrible thing happened. How old's Alice now? Ten. Ten? So Ten what does she old. think of Daddy's work? I mean, she always knew that I was doing stand-up and was in movies and stuff like that, but, you know, now she has more of a taste in certain things, so, you know, she would be very excited if I could be in a in a Spider-Man movie because she loves Spider-Man so much or, you know. But still, you know, these movies, she loves going to the screenings and stuff like that. So when people ask you, and I don't know what's on your passport, you know, what is it? Does it say <laughs> actor, stand-up comic, writer? Does it say I all these I can't remember things? if my profession is on my I mean, I define myself as a comedian. Mm -hmm. I com Comedy is what brought me to the dance. I'm very, very happy to get to act in things. I love getting to write, but I will always, always respect and go back to stand-up comedy. Well, would you mind taking a one or two questions from the world outside oh, of social not? media? Yeah. Look at this. Will F. says, what do you think your cat would... Oh, he, they know, Will F. knows you have a cat. Must be paying attention. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you think your cat would say if your cat could talk? My cat would say, get me food, human, and chop, chop. Uh, well, my, my cat would definitely say, get me food, but it would also... Definitely um, say uh, it, it would want me to open a lot of door. Open this door. What's here? What's here? Okay, open this door. And then I would close it and go, wait a minute. You don't let me look in there again. There'd be a lot of like, open this door. Let me go look at this again. Nah, okay, okay, fine. No, I'm good. No, you know what? Let me look at it again. There'd be a lot of that. <laughs> yeah, Makes yeah. sense to me. Okay, Ugh. let's see. Terry G says, when I was a kid, my dog Venus would make a mad dash from the house every time we opened the door. Have you ever had a pet that did crazy things? Uh, I had a, um, I had a French bulldog that whenever, um, I was, for some reason, whenever I would get photographed, like if someone would come to my house and do stuff, he made it a point to get in my lap and sit in it like he wanted to see what that was to the point where they took my, they, my picture for the cover of, 
um, the LA Weekly, and for the cover, my dog is sitting in my lap, which was not planned. He just said, well, I'm sitting in your lap. And he's like, they're like, what's going on? Are we taking a picture? I'll take a picture. And he has this look like, yeah, pretty cool. Let's take a picture. So, yeah. Not moving. He just knew where the camera was. It was very strange. This show ends always in song. Okay. Okay, see, look at that face. I don't know. Look at, look at desperately looking I around. Don't remember a this man song. who is fearless. Okay. On stage. I'm not scared now, but I'm just confused. I'm just well, it does. Yeah. Everybody just sing. even Harrison Ford. Oh. I wonder what Max. What's the song in Max's heart? Max's heart yeah. would be. Oh my God. Well, he's very, very nervous all the time. He's very, very. You know what it would be? It would be. Um, his song would be um, Black Sabbath's Paranoid. I don't know how you can do a few bars of that. Finish with my woman because she couldn't help me with my mind. So da, 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 da. And then someone pointed out to me that you could sing the, um, the Gilligan's Island theme song to Paranoid perfectly. <laughs> yeah, I no, never... no, you can, you can sing Yellow Submarine perfectly to it. I In a you. town where I was born, there lived a man who sailed to sea. And he, so, yeah. There you Same go. Thing. That's a whole new way of looking at exactly. the secret life of pets. Yeah. Two, three, how many you do. Anyway, <laughs> and it's always great to talk to you. Always I appreciate great. it. Thanks, man. Really? Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Peter.